Hello, welcome to Why Not Me. In life, we face many trials and obstacles, many challenges, and in the thick of it, we can be tempted to think, why me? But every obstacle presents an opportunity and every trial can bring triumph. So I want to encourage you to adapt a mindset of, why not me? When, when in the middle of it, when things are tough, look around and think, why not me? It's, it's happening for a purpose. And then when success is at your doorstep and all you have to do is open it, you may find yourself hesitating, questioning, is this for me? Do I deserve this? And I want to encourage you to adapt a mindset of why not me? Throw the door open wide, shout to the world, why not me? Embrace your success. I'm your coach, Todd Halls. I'm grateful to have you on this journey. Welcome to Why Not Me. Hello, hello. Welcome to Why Not Me, turning trials into triumphs, seeking and embracing success. I'm your host, Coach Todd Halls. I am super excited to be here and grateful that you tuned in to listen to this episode. And wow, am I excited for our guest and what he brings to the table today. With us, we have Mark Silverman. He is a husband, he's a dad, an executive coach, an author, a lover of dogs and saltwater fish, and much, much more that I'm sure he's going to share with that. Mark, thank you so much for being here and fill in anything, anything else you'd like our listeners to know. Yeah, it's funny about the saltwater fish thing because uh, you know you do when you get to this age, you've done a lot in your life, and your 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 bio lists your accomplishments and things. But you you ask me, what do people need to know about you? And it's that I'm obsessed with my saltwater fish tank because I never thought I could be the guy who would have a saltwater fish tank. Like I thought I could have a regular fish tank like everybody else, but I never thought I could have those fancy, beautiful fish in my house. And having having pulled the trigger on that, setting it up, having beautiful fish, to me is just such a huge uh, testament to what's possible. Because again, I thought that was something that was out of reach for someone like me. So that's why I wanted that in the bio. Interesting. So you've you've said a couple of key things. Um, well, first, tell me. So this isn't uh, this is audio only. Um, Describe this fish tank. I've got a picture in my head, but if you would draw a picture for, for the listeners and for me, like describe the saltwater tank that you've got. So it's way bigger than it should be. So it's, uh, 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 and it's not big enough for me. Uh, it's, um, uh, it's got coral and, and, uh, you know, living rock. And uh, I put, I put fish in it that I love. So if you've seen Finding Nemo and Finding Dory. I have got Dory and I've got Nemo and I've got yellow tangs and I've got I've got fish from Bali. I've got shrimp and uh, creepy crawly things on that go on the on the ground. And it's just fat. every morning uh, I sit and have a cup of coffee in front of my fish tank and just marvel at what God created. <laughs> like it's just it's just kind of incredible that that exists in the world and I can have it in my living room. You can you can have it right there in your room. It is incredible. Um, the, the, the phrasing you used, you, you said that, um, someone like me, like when you, like mm-hmm. the fact that you've got this and, and you didn't think someone like me could have it. I believe that would be pretty close to a quote. Yes. Um, what do you mean by that? By like someone like me. So I, I grew up somewhat poor, uh, and, uh, you know, just, you know, not, you know, we didn't, we didn't have a lot. Uh, my father, you know, ran a um, a Burger King, so you know that was we you know we had what we needed. We had food. We had all that stuff. 
but we just, I didn't have the fancy stuff, uh, you know, that, uh, it seemed like other people had like Levi jeans. I had irregulars from Marshall's, right? Like, uh, I always wanted Levi jeans. Uh, and you know, that kind of left a, a mark on me when I grew up, you know, we talked about this before we started, you know, my origin story is I was a drug addict, an alcoholic, a sex addict. And, uh, you know, by the time I was 27, I was homeless and living in my truck. And so I really didn't get a good start on life. Uh, I didn't, I didn't have the skills to take care of myself in any way, shape or form. Uh, and it wasn't that I didn't have the advantages. I, you know, I, I lower middle-class home and school and all that stuff, but just, things were things were just not firing on all cylinders. So when I finally got sober uh in 1989, that's when things started to change. That's how I that's when I started to learn to live a life. But even then when I when I asked my wife to marry me back then, I said, you know, I may never be more than a waiter. Uh because I was waiting I was waiting tables at the four seasons at that time and you know going to school and taking two classes at a time, three classes at a time, one class at a time. And I thought I would never be anything more than a waiter. And she had to know that if she was going to marry me. Now, subsequently, several years later, I, be, you know, I got into sales. I was really successful. Uh, you know, I became, I became a millionaire. I drove a Lexus convertible. I had the million dollar house. I did all that stuff. Uh, but I ne never dreamed that that would be me. So when it came, you know, after my kids left the house and all that, and I was, and I've always, you know, I love scuba diving and snorkeling and I love, you know, the ocean, but saltwater tanks, whenever I was in a hospital or an office building and there'd be a saltwater tank, it always felt out of reach. And when I went into the fish store that was, you know, down the street from me and I saw the marine fish, why not? So now, you know, now I have a, now I have a tropical, now I, you know, I don't have a tropical, I have a marine fish tank. Uh, and I hired a guy, the, I have a guy who comes in once a month and cleans and checks the chemicals and all that. So my fish don't die. So that's, that's what I mean by it was for somebody else, someone successful, someone who deserved it, someone who earned it and not me. Um, so it's, it's a, it's, it, for me, it's kind of a, 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 a stake in the ground that, uh, I can create what I want in life. That's fascinating. Um, well, first, congratulations on on sobriety. I know you mentioned 1989, so that's a long time ago. Um, right. But the, there are folks that there's way too many folks that can't say that. Like this, this is the year that I got sober. So, mm -hmm. so congratulations on that. Um, what was what was there was there a moment when you're like, this has to change now? And maybe there was a dozen of them, but what was what was when did the decision happen to, to get oh to get sober? Uh, I, like I said, I was driving around and I, I came to Washington D.C. to borrow some money from my brother because I didn't know where I was going to end up. Uh, you know, all I had was uh, a, a few things in the back of my pickup truck and uh, no money, no no nothing. That was 135 pounds. And um, uh, my brother said, uh, "You're going to stay with me." And he owned a bunch of restaurants in the D.C. area, uh, so he was a, he was kind of a big deal. But he he was newly sober. And all his friends were newly sober. And he said, uh, so you're going to stay with me and you're going to go to AA meetings and NA meetings and you're going to enroll in college and you're going to go to the gym. And I'm like, you know what? I've got no place to go. Sure. <laughs> and uh, and, and I, I did not get sober because I said, I want to get sober. I got sober just because I wanted to you know, get some money and, and stick around. What happened was I made friends. 
uh, I started to, I got a sponsor and I started to learn some life skills. I started to work the steps. And that was my, you know, journey to starting to mature and starting to grow up. Mm, what a, what a blessing. Uh, that you had a, that you had a brother that was a, a little farther along in the journey um, yeah. and could just say, Hey, Mark, we're going to try a different route for you. Yeah, that absolutely. And, you know, he's always been, he's always been my hero, even when he was drinking in, in, a, in bad shape. So uh, yeah, he was, he was able to, he was able to help me. Now, the interesting thing was for me, uh, my success in, in the, you know, selling high tech, uh, stuff for startups came at a cost because I was always trying to prove I wasn't the homeless guy. I was always trying to prove I wasn't this degenerate that everybody told me I was. So I worked really hard, uh, you know, got married, had kids, got a college degree, uh, started making tons of money. Uh, and you know, which I had never understood, I never understood that. So that was a, that was a whole new thing. So I, I lived in, a town that was completely foreign to me, you know, so living in the house, you know, a town with million dollar houses and, uh, you know, your kids going to certain schools in little league and all that stuff, that was just completely foreign, uh, territory for me. And what happened was I worked so hard and the stress of proving that I wasn't this alcoholic loser, uh, burnt out. And it really kind of started to show in my marriage. It, It destroyed my marriage. Uh, I, you know, cause I was just burnt out on, you know, all, all cylinders. Uh, I started to, that I couldn't sell anymore. And I started, I really have trouble keeping things together. I started having panic attacks and getting, getting sick all the time. Uh, and this was stone cold sober, you know, my whole life fell apart in 2009. And, uh, so, so, you know, when you talk about resiliency, you know, you told me that your listeners are here to learn, you know, what's possible. You know, I stone cold sober. I destroyed my life a second time, and building that back the next time is why I do what I do. Uh, when I when I built back from all of that, um, you know, um, you know, like again, not being panic attacks are so debilitating that you know I would walk into a building that I would have to sell in. The CIO would walk into the meeting, and I would have a panic attack and have to walk out. That wasn't conducive to to um, uh, business. Uh, so after I, after all that happened, uh, I made a decision that I was going to do some things differently, uh, and I decided I was going to run a marathon because I wanted to show my. I did not want to be a loser for my kids, so I couldn't run a mile. But I heard someone on the radio saying that uh, if you're if you're human, you're bipedal and you can run. So I called him. He was out in California, and I said, "Dude." Uh, I heard you on the radio. Uh, I can't run a mile, but I have to run the Marine Corps Marathon. And he said, uh, great. It'll take you about two years to train for it. I said, no, I have to do it in eight months because I may be dead in a year. Uh, I was kind of suicidal and it was really bad. Uh, so he says, you can't do it. I said, I'm going to do it. So in five months, I trained and ran the Marine Corps Marathon. I also decided I wanted to make a million dollars because I thought that I wasn't going to live. So I wanted to leave money for my ex-wife. So I did these things. I ran the marathon. I, I made the money, uh, the million dollars. Uh, and what happened was I was still down. I still wasn't you know, happy, but my career was back on track. My health was back on track. Uh, and this is where I was able to start building back up. Uh, but while I was training for the marathon, I was listening to every self-help book 
known to man. I was listening to summaries of, of spiritual books and self-help books and really building back a different person so that when I went into this next phase of life and my career was taking off, I had a very different vision of what that was. So when I tell people, when I run into people who are running into a hard time, uh, I can I can tell them that it's going to be okay, that you have to keep walking. I have the experience several times. And for me, that time, that getting sick and that being suicidal, uh, you know, it seems like it was a horrible thing. For me, it was the best thing that ever happened to me. For me, I turned it into, uh, it broke my heart open, right? So the compassion I have for other people is, you know, unmatched. I can hold other people's pain uh, without taking it on. So if someone's having trouble, I can actually sit with them and be okay with that. Uh, so these gifts that this happened and, the, the, you know, just to see the resiliency that I had to have another renaissance like that, for me, the worst thing that ever happened in my life turned out to be the best thing that ever happened in my life. So whenever anybody, you know, when my clients or anybody comes up to me and they hit with tragedy, and again, when a child dies or something like that, you know, like there's certain tragedies that you just you know, can't really talk about the gold in there. But most things, a job loss, a health crisis, or this or that, we can, we can turn that around. And, and my favorite saying is, how do we make this the best thing that ever happened in your life? Uh, I did it. Now let's find in your situation how we can make this the best thing that ever happened in your life. And we usually find a, you know, something to really dig into to create something new. That's a remarkable story. Um, as you described that, this you know, from 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 homeless um, uh, addict, um, alcoholic, to you, know, you made that transformation, got got physically healthy, and started selling and reaching success, and yet you were still in your mind, you were still. The previous version, you were you were still the addict, right? And right. Still, from what you described, and to the point that probably whatever that mindset is that originally caused you to to be homeless and an addict was really probably the same mindset that caused you to be a burnt out, um, depressed, suicidal, successful person. Exactly. Exactly. That that's that that's the whole premise, you know. So my former podcast was called Mastering Midlife: How to Thrive When the World Asks the Most of You, and the premise of that is the drives that turn that make you successful in your twenties and thirties turn on you in your forties and fifties. So, in other words, most if you any uber super successful person that I've ever met, I can find out something from childhood, something that happened to them that drives them to that success. Now, on one hand, that's a great that that drive to not be that homeless guy or if the, if you know I've talked to so many people where the drive is to prove something to people or whatever to get to be successful that's great it gets you to a certain point but at some point that's not a sustainable motivation and that's where midlife crisis comes in when you start to look at you built all this stuff but it might be the wrong stuff or you built it the wrong way or you're looking at it the wrong way and that's where we have to start to shift and find different motivations so for me when i when i built it back the second time it was a, as a completely different person <laughs> and you mentioned it started with um it started with marathon training the, yes the decision, like i'm i'm going to basically in a way, there's some similarities. There's, there's some lag in that I'm going to prove something. 
because initially you're you're going to prove you were no longer a loser by selling all this. Now you're going to prove that you're you're an okay guy and dad by by running a marathon. So there's still this element of, of always, always, always. And in yeah. doing that process, though, you, you also started consuming um, uh, what I presume is a lot more a lot of healthy uh, information through through books and podcasts and, and just kind of what you're allowing in. Yeah, this you know a podcast. I would listen to a podcast like yours, and I would get an idea, or I would hear a guest, and then I'd go buy their book, and then I would you know you follow them, and you know that kind of thing, and I just kept going down these rabbit holes until I built a whole new person. That's fantastic. So do you have do you have a formula, like for for someone that's like, well, man, um, I resonate with with this person with Mark that's about to train for a marathon, but I really want to be on the other side of this where I'm I'm a new person who's who's really um, comfortable in my skin and likes the guy in the mirror. Mm-hmm. Uh, you have a formula for that? <laughs> I actually I, I I have a formula. That's loose. That you have to, you know, kind of make it your own. So for me, the first thing is reading, listening to, consuming things other than what your brain tells you. Right. So your brain needs washing. Go wash your brain and find people to listen to that have different ideas than what your brain is telling you. Because usually it's old stuff. Often it's from trauma. Right, so childhood traumas wreak havoc you know, all the way through our 80s and 90s, uh, unless they're dealt with. So really fill in that stuff. The second is a contemplation practice of some sort. So it doesn't have to be meditation, although meditation saved me. It could be just sitting quietly. It could be going for walks without anything in your ears, even if it's the good stuff. You know, it's it's spending time with yourself. Journaling is the be all end all, you know, you know, just getting stuff out onto paper. And for me, I use, uh, uh, there was a book in the nineties, uh, called the artist's way. And there's a journaling technique called morning pages that, you know, just saved my life. And morning pages is this, you sit down and you write stream of consciousness for 20 minutes. And what I did was I just wrote three pages. Uh, and what I wrote, when I start writing, the first page would always would often be, you know, I hate life. I hate this person. I'm resentful for this, you know, rah, 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 you know, whiny, complainy kind of stuff. Just get that garbage out. The second one would be a little more executive function, a little more grown up, a little more, you know, thoughtful. And then the third page, by the third page, God's talking to me. And I would do this every single day. And, you, and I, what I did was I wrote on p- pieces of paper that I could rip up and throw away. I didn't want a journal that someone could find because I wanted to write my deepest, darkest secrets. I wanted to write all the hateful stuff that was in my heart. I wanted to get it all out. So I would, I would do this and then I would put in another notebook, whatever gold came out on page three. I, I called it page three wisdom. And I felt, always felt that that was when God was talking to me. Uh, and, you know, and it took years. Like the first year, you know, it did. It took uh, for the first year. It was, you know, okay. I won't kill myself. I'll be okay. Second year, I'm okay to live. Third year, I was like, I'll live until Jake, my youngest, graduates high school. Uh, by the fifth year, that's when joy came in. It took about four or five years for absolute joy to come in, and it's been that way ever since. Now I have a real life. I I have ups and downs, and I have emotions and problems and things like everybody else. But I will tell you that I am a joyous, grounded, centered, open-hearted person. And I know that because I built this guy, 
right? I, I, I went through the ringer to be this guy. I create myself every day. So every morning I do sit with my journal. I do sit with my meditation. I do create myself every day of who I want to be. I create my relationship. I create my business. I create everything because if I don't, that automatic negative rat brain is, is going to create anyway. So I have to deliberately create something better. So that's my formula. Thank you for sharing that. That is awesome. I've, um, I'm familiar with the artist way. I, I've practiced it a little bit. I've never heard it um, explained and drawn out quite the way, quite the way you do it. Uh, the idea of, of the page three wisdom, like, like to have a separate book. Uh, I'm, I think I may take another run at the artist, at the artist way in this, in this method of journaling. Cause that sounds well, it sounds amazing because you're you're capturing all the gold, all the nuggets, right? It's but like- it doesn't come it doesn't come out till you take out the garbage. You know, it's interesting. I was sitting I was sitting on my floor one morning meditating, and I just felt so grateful because I love being a coach. I love making a difference in people's lives. I'm really grateful that I get these downloads of different kinds of stuff to to teach people. And I'm sitting there on my cushion, and I said, "You know what, God, thank you." With all my flaws, with all my shortcomings, uh, you know, because I'm, you know, all these problems, you know, that I that I make for myself, you know, you still chose me. Thank you for choosing me for this service. And this voice came, hit me, and it, this is how I know it wasn't me because I looked around the room. I, the voice said, "I chose you because of your flaws. I chose you because of all of that stuff, not in spite of it." Uh, and that got, I got it really loud and clear that I'm always going to be a humble human beings, you know, dealing with all kinds of stuff uh, so that I can help other humble human beings dealing with all kinds of stuff and we can human together. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> it's amazing how he, how God does use our, the, the very things that we think are chinks in the armor or, or the, the dirt, the trials, the tough times, the sadness, the heartbreak, the stupid things we've done, um, and and somehow repackages that and and uses it for our good and for the good of the folks we serve. So before before you heard this voice, before you heard this voice from oh God, you'd already decided to become a coach. So how did you get there? Why why coaching? What describe that journey from 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 sales and success and burnout, and then as you reinvented yourself, how'd you end up here? I, so I didn't even know what coaching was. I was um, I was reading all kinds of books, and I read this book by, by a guy named Alan Cohen. And Alan Cohen is a contributor to Chicken Fruit Soup of the Soul, and he wrote books like, you know, Are You As Happy As Your Dog? And I was reading this book called Relax Into Wealth by him. And it was just a brilliant book. And one of the things it said on the, uh, he said in the book was, what if you treated yourself the way you treat everybody else in the world? And I was like, that was like a foreign language to me. What if you, what if you put yourself on the list? What if you treated yourself the way you treat everybody else? And you know, my ex-wife and my kids lived in the million dollar house. I bought her a new Toyota Highlander, all this stuff. And I lived with $7 Ikea tables and all our old silverware and all that stuff in my apartment. And I was like, treat myself like I treat everybody else. Are you crazy? I'm not even on the list. And that's when the aha came in. I was like, oh, like I get to live also. 
And so for me, that was that was an aha moment. So what I did was I bought some furniture, and then I went out and bought a Lexus convertible, a Sonic Blue Lexus convertible, uh, which my ex-wife was like, you know what, you deserve it. You work so hard, you know, you 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 get to have that. And that was that was you know partly an external thing to help me get out of the depression. But then I decided I was going to go to uh, one of Alan's retreats. He had a spiritual retreat in Hawaii, and I wanted to go to this spiritual retreat. And I was fifty years old at the time. Uh, so I signed up for the retreat and Alan calls me. Now I have never met him. I just read his book and signed up for his retreat. And he calls me and uh, like, I'm thinking this famous author, the speaker all over the world, he's calling me. I don't know why. And he says, Mark, I'm like, yes, Alan. He says, uh, you, you know, I, I, I have to, I have to call you because spirit told me that you need to go to my coaching program and not this other program that you signed up for. And I'm like, all right, great. Spirit told you, what is coach? Why would I be a, go to a coaching thing? He goes, look, he says, I have salespeople. I have lawyers. I have all kinds of people. It'll make you a better father, make you a you know, better uh, you know, person, all that stuff. I really have to follow what Spirit says. Uh, so, And if you don't like it, you know, I will give you all your money back. You can go to the other program. I'll give you anything, but I have to follow Spirit. I'm like, sure, why not? Uh, I'll do it. And I joined it. Long story short is halfway through the program, I got furious at him uh, and I got furious at the program. And uh, when, we, when we dissected why I was so angry, it was because God had shown me what it is I'm supposed to do with my life, this coaching thing. I'm brilliant at it, like without any effort. And I was in the middle of the training and, uh, and it's what I've always wanted to do. Even telling my ex-wife about it, she's like, you know, I've been telling you for years that you should teach these companies what you do, but we didn't know what it was. We thought it was human resources or whatever. And, you know, I have to make a certain amount of money because I'm taking care of my, my, my ex-wife and my kids and my elderly parents and all that stuff. So like, how do you, how do you actually make money at this? And I found out that, you know, being a coach was the thing I wanted to do. And it was a year later that I quit my high, really high paying job, hung out my shingles and, um, and became a coach, uh, which was kind of shocking. I, it was agony at the time because again, so many people depended on me financially. Uh, and now I was going to be a coach, which we can use air quotes for, you know, how am I supposed to make any money? My first clients were paying me 1500 bucks a month. Like you can't live on that. Uh, so, or at least three families can't live on that. Uh, so it was a long journey for that. Uh, yeah. So when, when did you become a coach? When did you say I'm hanging my shingle out? I think I was 52. I'm going to be 60 this year. So probably 51 and a half. Yeah. 51 and a half, uh, is when I became a coach and, no. uh, and, uh, hung out my shingle and, uh, yes. Interesting. So, so. 2012, 13, somewhere, somewhere. Actually, it was 2013. It was 2013 because I I, I remember the anniversary coming up on Facebook of me in February saying, I'm a coach. So, yeah, so it's been nine years now. Wow. So nine years ago, um, it seems this, this, um, this profession of coaching was out there, but it's not, it wasn't nearly as prevalent or, or known, didn't have the traction. As you, yeah, as ubiquitous, yeah. There's so many coaching schools, and hey, you want a lifestyle business? You know, be a coach. They don't tell you that most most coaches make twenty thousand dollars a year. Very few of us, you know, make the kind of money that we need to make to survive. 
So it's uh, it's it, it the a lot a lot get thrown against the wall. Very few stick. So that took some real courage. I mean, that, that terror, <laughs> terror, absolute abject terror, uh, because I got myself worth. I got myself worth from financially taking care of everybody in my life. Uh, and to and the thought of not being able to do that was absolutely terrifying. But you did it anyway. How did that how how did that work? Well, at first that you know, again, I wasn't quite sure how to be, you know, coaching. Well, the other thing they don't tell you about being a coach is that when you're a coach, you're 80% entrepreneur, 20% coach. You're running a business and they didn't tell me that. Uh, so it took about three years and I had, you know, I had savings, so I, I was good and I, uh, I was able to take care of everybody. Uh, but after a couple, after a few years, I started to go into debt because again, I was traveling around the world, uh, working with shaman and business coaches and sex coaches and just learning my craft all around the world and spending, you know, like a half million dollars on all this stuff. And so I, I kind of bankrupted myself before I was able to pull the nose up and actually pay off all the debt and, 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 and turn things around. So the, you know, the first four years were me learning and spending and the last four years were me building a business and, you know, building back my wealth and uh, my impact in the world. Yeah. So how did you, Hmm. Four years is a long time to be, to, 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 it's a long runway to getting to getting air under the wings. So yeah, it, it, it was. Uh, uh, Ramit Sethi, who's this uh, business writer, he says bankruptcy comes slowly at first, and then all at once. I had plenty of money, you know, to go through, uh, and then and then I didn't, right? But that was like all of a sudden. Like I was used to driving Mercedes and Audi and all that, so I didn't stop doing that, um, you know, and and uh, uh, so I, I didn't think uh, about what I was doing. Uh, and, uh, you know, so the last four years I've been very consciously both building my business and my skills at the same time. So now I have an overfilled practice and, uh, and, you know, you know, books and all kinds of stuff going on. Yeah. So what, what changed? So what kept you going? So let's just say year three, so two part question. I'm going to, I'm going to stack questions, which is a coaching no, no, of course, but, um, year three, you're three years into it and you gotta be at some point. There's, there's, I would think there's like, is this ever going to turn? And then, but you kept on, you, you kept hanging on. So then what, what kept you going year two, three, and, and even through four? And then what was the, what was the spark? What, what was the, what was the change in the wind to get the nose up? What kept me going was the fact that I was making such an impact on people that I was really good at this. And I was making, I was still making six figures, right? So it wasn't like I wasn't making money. I was still making six figures as a coach. That just wasn't enough for all my responsibilities. Uh, so uh, the other thing was I started to become kind of a big deal in the coaching industry. I was starting to be known because I, I was apprenticing with someone who was, uh, you know, a leader in the coaching industry. Uh, so I was known and I was spending a lot of time working with other coaches and, and, um, and being in that world. So I realized there was one day that I realized, uh, it was my friend, Helen Appleby, who once said it, uh, because you know, I used to wear Hugo Boss suits and I had a solid gold watch and I, you know, I just love business people. And, uh, she says, darling, you, you, you belong in glass buildings and it, 
it was it was a light bulb moment because I had gotten rid of the suit. I had gotten rid of the corporate uh, persona and all that because I became open hearted and a coach and all that. And what I realized was that's where I belong. I love coaching in the business arena. I love coaching people who are just trying, you know, trying to uh, build a business, keep a family together, keep them, you know, keep their own well-being together and all that together. So I went into glass buildings and I started coaching executives and companies and that was a duck to water. Uh, and for me that, you know, that's when the referral started coming in because that's where I belong. I love getting dressed up. I love speaking in front of a group of CEOs. You know, I'm much happier talking to a bunch of business people uh, than, than uh, people who are already spiritual and open and all that. I'd rather talk to other people, you know, the people who are, who are in the trenches. And, uh, you know, I found, I found my place and, you know, the money started rolling in when I clicked in and found my place. And then, oh, and then in the middle of that, I wrote this silly little book for myself called Only Tens about my bout of having ADHD and trying to build a business. Uh, and I thought I would sell a copy to myself and a copy to my mother. And it's, you know, so far it sold 75,000 copies and still going. So, uh, you know, like that, that book put me on the map. Uh, I just, I'm sending a few hundred up to Canada now because I have a five, uh, you know, in two weeks I'm going, I have a five stop speaking tour in Canada because of this silly little book about how to get things done with ADHD, which happened to be executive function. That's the C-suite needs. So that's what I do. <laughs> it's awesome. Uh, so I, you know, I, I, I think of people, I think God puts out people in our lives sometimes as bumpers. And so a couple times in yours, I'm thinking of, of your brother at one point. He's like, you're, you're going to stay here. You're going to go to A. We're going to, you're going to join the gym. And then fast forward, you know, a couple decades. And, and this, this lady says, darling, you belong in glass building. This is like, cause you're out here doing your thing where you think you ought to be. And somebody had to say, no, Mark, no, that you need to, you need to check, check on this. And, the other thing that occurs to me is if there's if there's a place that needs um, heart centered, uh, godly coaches, it's it's in the boardrooms. It's in it's in the C suite. Um, so can I tell you, can I tell you a quick client story that just warms my heart. I just finished yeah. with a client. I do six month engagements. I just finished with a client, and uh, he uh, I was hired because he was kind of a bull in a china closet, and he was driving everybody crazy. So the CEO needed me to to uh, help him with his people skills a little bit. Uh, so we worked we worked on a bunch of stuff in order to you know because he you know he was a get things done kind of guy, and the soft skills were superfluous to what he needed to do. We switched we we worked on all of that, but what he told me. Uh, yes, just yesterday uh, was uh, you know did you did I know that he was had high blood pressure all his life? I said no. He says yeah, it's been a problem all my life, and I just got back from the doctor and my blood pressure is down for the first time. He says my blood pressure has been down. Uh, he says I was lactose intolerant. I'm no longer lactose intolerant. The doctor said that that was stress induced. He says. I don't have any of these things anymore. My wife tells me I'm a different person. And he said, that's all from the coaching. So for me, uh, I coach people, help them get promotions. I coach people on their leadership skills. I coach 
all that kind of, you know, how do you build the businesses? How do you make more money? All that stuff. But the thing I care about is the fact that people, the people I work with are going to have a better life. I don't care, really care about the money and all that stuff. What I care about is I'm really, I had a friend who um, bought himself a Bentley. Uh, You know, he was so successful, he bought himself a Bentley and then died a few months later, you know, in his late forties. I'm just sick of seeing people pay to be in the 1% with their health, their lives and their relationships. So that's what I do all day, every day. What a gift. Um, Truly, truly what a gift, what what comes to mind. And it's why, um, it's, it's why I'm why I do what I do. When you describe this person who who yeah you worked on their soft skills right to, to help in the company, but oh by the way it turns out all their health markers improve. Um, not only that, but their but their wife says you know you're you're just different. It's it, this is a better relationship. Inevitably, she's interacting differently than with with their if there's kids, their children, or or her friends or whoever. So like the ripple effects of, of the people you're touching are, I truly believe they're just infinite. It just keeps going as, as people um, experience better lives. Yeah, you, you ask what keeps you going? It's that, it's that thought. Super cool. So as a coach, we meet – in the in the in the grocery, let's say we're in a grocery store, and I'm I'm thinking of uh, the book The Prosperous Coach. So we're just standing there in line, and and you start to, like I'm like Mark, what do you do? And you say I'm a coach. I say, well, what's that, and how's that work? Go. Oh, that's that's interesting because yeah. By the way, it, uh, I worked with Steve Chandler and Rich. I was you know Rich's apprentice for four years. Uh, go. That's that's who I was talking about earlier. That oh. that you mentioned the Prosperous Coach. Um, how do, what do I tell people? Uh, I actually, you know, I, you, I worked on that so hard for so many years and I don't tell anybody anymore. I'm just, I'm an executive coach. I help people do success better and that's it. That's all I, that's all I say. Uh, and, uh, and that's where I go. Don't talk about it. Don't, I, I don't really talk about it much. I'm an introvert. So I'm really, <laughs> I'm not out there talking too much about myself. I'll stand in front of a room and, and, you know, speak and all that stuff. But this whole networking thing is really uh, a rough one for me. <laughs> and so, hopefully, anybody listening that also it thinks that um, is it for anybody that's an introvert and struggles with networking, let this be an encouragement because you just heard it from Mark, who's who's achieved a, a level of success in his in his business as an entrepreneur, as a coach, and you just heard it. Networking isn't his thing, so it can be done. Yes. Yes. Oh, it totally can be. And I did the networking, right? So my my mastermind made me go out and do the networking. And I learned, I did my 30 second commercials. Hey, if you're struggling with, you know, trying to keep your uh, business going and your health and your this and that, you know, call me. I've worked on that over and over again. I've glad handed, I've been everywhere. Uh, but now I've gotten to a place in my business where I, I don't have to do it as much. But again, this is why I'm speaking on stage, why I'm on podcasts and that kind of thing, because I'm better at this than I am, uh, you know, unless I can get someone at a networking meeting to go deep. So if I, when I go to a networking meeting as an introvert, my goal is always to make two deep connections. 
not to get cards, not to be popular, just make two deep connections. If I make two deep connections, I get to leave. <laughs> and that's, that's how I do networking meetings. The way you said that, it's like the ultimate motivation for finding two people to go deep with like, really exactly. fast. And I love it. Like when I sit in the corner and I talk to someone for 45 minutes and it's a deep conversation, I love that. It's just, you know, then I'm like a shark. Is there anybody else who wants to talk deep? Is there anybody else? And it's, that's no fun anymore. <laughs> right, right. Uh, so as you uh, as you look forward to, to the rest of this year, next year, next year, what are you most excited for? I'm most excited for scaling. Uh, I'm really working on taking... You know, you know, I'm at capacity for my one-on-one -on -one clients and, you know, building groups. So to do a six-month group with people and helping them really navigate their relationships, their lives, their to-do lists uh, in called Mastering Overwhelm and helping people, you know, deal with all of that. It's only getting worse these days. The stress level from COVID and the politics and the, the you know, inflation and everything, people are really... Uh, they're 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 in trouble these days. Every every company I go into, and uh, I want to help people learn how to cope. So I'm I'm doing that at scale. So I have a group program coming out. Uh, I'm doing a, I do a free workshop every month, uh, which your people are invited to. I, I actually made a page of some of my best work because my most of my clients won't read my book anyway. So I make these little five minute videos so that they don't have to read the book. Uh, we made a page branded with your um, podcast. We'll I will send you the link to that. So that they can have a couple of worksheets that I that I teach. Well, fantastic. Well, well, thank you for that. I can't wait to see it. You're welcome. Uh, so as we as we look to to land the plane here and wrap up, uh, I, I try to ask uh, to finish up. I'm wondering what you would offer to our listeners. What's one important or impactful question that they should be asking themselves? What do you want? Like, really, what do you want? People don't ask what they, people don't ask themselves. They do in little, like, they, you know, we get entitled and we get whiny and I want this and I want that. But really sit down and be quiet. What the, what do you want out of life? What do you want for the rest of your days, whether you live a day or for another 40, 50 years? What do you want? You don't have to answer it. You don't have to change your marriage. You don't have to quit your job. You don't have to do anything. You just have to know what you want. And then you can start making choices to move in that direction. You only get one life. I only get one life. And uh, that was the epiphany I got at 50. Like, I get to create my life. Oh my God, I'm free. I've always been free to create my life. I want people to know that they're free to create their life. I love that question. What do you want? Uh, Mark, this has been amazing. For, for our listeners that, that want to connect with you further, I know you've got the, the sheet you put together for us uh, for the podcast, but if they if they want to reach out, what's the best way to to touch base with you? Just go to the just go to the website markjsilverman.com. Mark the letter J Silverman.com. There's so many red buttons to uh, get in touch with me on there. My assistant was really good at uh, hey, get in touch with Mark here. Get in touch with Mark here. You want to talk to Marco? So you, you can go there. <laughs> perfect, perfect. Thank you so much for for joining us today and for sharing your wisdom and your story. This has been amazing. It's an absolute pleasure to talk to you. Awesome, awesome. Listeners, hey, thank you so much uh, for tuning in. Time is precious, and I appreciate yours and your willingness to listen. Uh, whatever grand vision you've been given, whatever dreams God has, been, has put on your heart, remember, you can. 
Until next time, be bold, be humble, stay healthy, stay hopeful, and live life strong. Peace to you. Well, thank you so much for listening. For even more on turning trials into triumphs and seeking and embracing success, go to toddhalls.life. That's toddhalls.life. And I look forward to serving you. Until next time, be strong, be bold, be humble, stay healthy, stay hopeful. Peace to you.